everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Pot on You Loons. I'm Justin. Pot on You Loons, this is Sam. Pot on You Loons, this is James. Pot on You Sounders, this is Cameron. Oh, bugger off. <laughs> oh, Pot oh, on You Loons. <laughs> no, we like the loons. We like Ozzy. How are you, man? Yeah. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm good. I'm, um, you know, I got to go see the the match between the the Sounders and Minnesota United this past weekend, and um, it was in a very interesting match. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. I like always having you on because even though our teams are foes, you always say nice things about us. You don't have to. And I actually think you're sincere. I don't think you're just buttering us up. I think you're just you're just very um, neutral towards the loons, if anything, like. If anything, you have a loon appreciation. Yeah, I, don't I have a loon appreciation. I, I just I don't like your coach much, but outside of that, I, but sounds like I'm fitting with the rest of the fan base. I don't know. I think he's funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you never you're never gonna die wondering what Adrian Heath thinks. That's for yep. sure. Yep, I I think that like there's like 50 or so Minnesota United podcasts, and I think like 45 of them hate him pretty much. I think he's funny. I don't know. I... <laughs> we stand with very few comrades on this hill. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and like our, our reasoning, I think our reasoning is like, it's frustrating that the loons aren't scoring goals. Not, not to spoil yep. the rest of the episode while <laughs> like we're still just doing our introductions and James is going to tell us all about his trip to Austria, not to spoil the rest of our show, but it's frustrating to me that the loons aren't scoring goals, but I don't know. Like I've always been, and maybe this isn't a good thing to say as like a pundit, but I've always been one to think, you you know, like the more, you know, you know, you don't know S right. Like who am I to think that I know more about how to get the loons scoring goals than Adrian Heath, like just throwing that out there. I'm not saying that no one else out there does. I'm not saying that there's no one with a microphone that, doesn't know more than Adrian Heath. I'm just saying I specifically don't. So I don't really have any reason to not like Adrian Heath. And I think his personality is funny. The players seem to like him enough. So why not me? Yeah. And I mean, you know, it, it's, it's us, man. How many, how many pods in a row are we going to say the words? We don't score enough goals. I think, I don't think that's a major spoiler for what's, uh, what's about to come up. Are we going to get to talk expected goals versus actual goals and stuff like that? Have you have you not listened? We always talk about expected goals versus actual goals. Cameron, yeah, we've we've started to do it more now that we don't actually score real goals. We have to find the silver lining of stats that make us think we should be scoring more goal, more goals, yeah. but we're not. Have so you seen point- how many expected goals Adrian Adrian Nunu has when he's not scoring like anything? <laughs> like that's, that's what keeps us going. Yeah, those that 1.34 expected goals this weekend would have really helped. It was that high? Wow. Yeah. Well, for, for you, it was. For us, we only had 0. 0.8. Uh, no, the Sounders were 0. 0.79, and, uh, uh, and Minnesota was 1.34. We must be getting our expected goals yeah, from according, different according websites. Game, Gameflow is where I go to for mine. So uh, uh, I follow according, pretty. According to FB ref, that's like the reverse. That's really interesting. Yeah. So it turns out expected goals may not be a very good metric. <laughs> so we should go with what we feel in our heart. Or FIFA. We go by FIFA a lot, too. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's funny that the guy who assisted the goal 
actually had way more X, had almost the same XG as our entire team. And he, did, and he wasn't even the one that scored. Benazet? Yeah. Yeah, Nico's Nico's new to the team, um, but he was he was at least until he got tired, he was out there beasting. So he 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 did a lot, and um, he's a big anime fan. And he's kind of when he scored his first goal, he did an anime celebration. So that's apparently his thing. So we now have a guy who's going to do anime celebrations in Seattle. Did did he what? do the Naruto run or <laughs> he uh-huh. did um, One Piece like punch grand ground thing? I, I'm not. I'm 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 more of a cowboy bebop uh Yuri and Ice guy, so I don't I don't know Naruto. I know the Naruto run, obviously, but I don't know the other one, so yeah. I actually uh, just started watching Cowboy Bebop, to be honest. I'm not an anime fan either, but I asked people what I should watch and that was one of them that came up. So it's fantastic. Cameron, are you, are you um, excited for the live action? Yeah, I am. Um, you know, I, I always worry about it. Uh, my ex was a huge anime fan, so that was really my end anime. And um, so Death Note was another great one, but the Netflix kind of ruined that one. Uh, it was not very good. So I, I am a little worried, but um, I don't know. They seem to have the right people involved. So I'm ready for the Cowboy Bebop Netflix. Uh, I think it's a series, right? It's not even a movie. It's a whole series. Yeah, I think it's a live action series. Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. Well, I've seen Pokemon and that's about it. But <laughs> speaking of other things that I only know a little bit about, uh, James, you were just in Austria. <laughs> me. Just me. You know a little bit about me. <laughs> no, James was just in Austria. So the loons had an international break. James took a little international break himself. Yep. He and the better half, they drove from the Netherlands to Austria. The better half did all the driving, actually. Must be nice. Can you give us an idea to how far that is? Because I think as Americans, we have entire states that are the size of, you know, multiple, you know, Texas is like the size of all of Europe, practically. So how how far of a drive would that usually be? Yeah, so from the Netherlands to Austria was nine hours. So when we went there, we did a four hour stint to Germany and then caught up with some friends of mine that I haven't seen in, yeah, about two years because uh, it had already been about six months before the whole world uh, went to trash. And then, yeah, we drove the five hours to Austria the next the next day and then spent a week uh, at a campsite basically below a mountain. So it was uh, – the Netherlands is you know notoriously at or below sea level, basically, and it's a battle to keep all the water out. And so our campsite in Austria was 1,000 – 100 meters above sea level which is uh, about three and a half thousand feet and then we were right next to a mountain that was uh 2000 meters above sea level uh so like 6500 feet which is quite a lot so we took like uh like a cable car up there and did some walking around the mountain and went and saw a bunch of castles and then the second week we went to uh a different place uh, a different camping site which is more like a resort actually so we uh we were in an apartment and uh yeah went swimming hit the gym for the first time in a long time while on my holiday which was an unusual level of commitment uh for me in the gym uh and uh yeah i ate a lot of schnitzel drank a lot of beer ate a lot of chocolate did a lot of hiking was uh was very relaxed yeah didn't have to watch any games because no one was really playing yeah it was uh, it was just very relaxed 
and then came back, uh, came back, had last week, and then returned also on holiday last week, painted the bedroom, chilled out, and then, uh, yeah, started work today. So it was good. I came back. The NFL came back. The loons came back. It was uh, it was good timing. The loons kind of came back. The loons they can't they 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 play well. I mean, I'm a Colts fan, so we didn't really come back either. Yeah, I know you got so you had two teams lose to Seattle. I had two teams lose to Seattle this weekend. I Uh, mean, but Sam, you're not one to talk right now with uh, the performance (laughs) of the Packers down in (laughs) Jacksonville. This is not an NFL podcast. Um, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll own it. Like it was not, I, I mean, I, I'm always one for like stand by your team, like support them no matter what. And I, I do support the Packers no matter what, but it was a really nice day. I have, um, I had kind of a rough week. Uh, I don't need to go into it, but I had kind of a rough week and it was just a really nice day. My daughter wanted to go ride her bike. It was like the third quarter of a game that I knew wasn't going anywhere, and I took her to ride a bike. Uh, Good decision, Sam. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you missed you missed the start of the Jordan Love era, though. I I mean, I'm. Are we going to overreact to Aaron Rodgers having one bad game? We'll we'll see if he has a string of bad games. I I assume he'll bump, bump bounce back. I guess my only concern is is his head not in it, like. I, I know to perform at a high level, your head has to be in it, no matter what your career is, right? If you're a teacher and your head's not in it, I've seen a lot of very quality teachers have their head out of the game and really kind of not perform very well. If Aaron Rodgers really just disconnected over the offseason, I guess that's my only concern, but I don't need to go much more into that. Hey, if his head's not in it anymore and he moves on somewhere else and we get some draft picks in exchange for him and we get a really good draft pick this year because we like bomb out, <laughs> in, you know, fine. That, do that's you, fine. Do you give anything to the um, speculation that John Mulaney grew up a Bears fan and he announced his child with Olivia Munn right before the season to rattle Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> I didn't even hear this. <laughs> that's wonderful. He's the comedian, right? Yeah, the tall guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I might have even seen him perform live once. Um, no, I I didn't know that they were together. I didn't know that Olivia Munn was pregnant. I I don't know. Uh, speaking of Olivia, so I'm with my dad, who is you know in his 60s, early 60s, and we're watching TV, and this person, this pop star, kind of like a very distinctive pop star comes on a commercial and my dad makes a comment as if he knows who she is. And I'm like, I have no idea who that is. I would have just assumed that she was just some commercial actress. And my dad's like, you don't know who I think her name was Olivia Rodrigo. Like, am I supposed to know who that is? Is that she's, she's good, Sam. I think you'd like her. Yeah. I think your dad's been on TikTok and you aren't. That's uh... <laughs> She she went TikTok viral and now is a huge star. Okay. Yeah, my dad said that she's like at like Taylor Swift level. And I'm like, I've, I've never heard of her. Uh, yeah, I mean, short-term fame, yeah, probably. She's only 18, right? So it's like still early. So all, all three of you know who she is? Yeah. James, you know who she is? Like I've heard the songs mainly okay. through like Instagram. <laughs> well, that was the other thing is I listened to the songs. And the only one I recognized was the one in that commercial. 
Well, the, you may have recognized it, though, because uh, it turned out she had to give other people writing credits because it was basically stealing from other artists beforehand. Mm. So that may you may have recognized it because you recognize the original song, which I think was a Kelly Clarkson song. Uh, Paramore. Sounds like a Paramore, Paramore song. That's right. There was another one that was a Kelly Clarkson okay. one. So, so there was like three different TikTok stars that went viral at the same time that they basically had to give writing credits to old songs that they sound exactly the same as. I was going to say, I did, I did listen to a lot of Paramore, so I'll have to see what song <laughs> does resemble a Paramore song. I'll have to check that out. Let's research. The tough research for Pot on Loons. Yeah. Okay, not an Olivia Rodrigo podcast. Or an Olivia Munn podcast. Or, or an Olivia. Olivia, apparently. But, but, but it, just so you know, it is Still Into You by Paramore is the song that they had to give writing credit from. Okay. That's a good one. She really belts it out in that chorus. Good old uh, Haley Williams does anyway. Yep. I don't know how Olivia Rodrigo does it. Okay. Uh, which Olivia Rodrigo song rips off Paramore's Still Into You? I like that song. Good for you. It's called Good uh, For You? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to clear that. Don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Although I did, get, I did get a copyright strike on my, one of my podcasts one time because apparently there's a, there was, there must've been a very small clip of a Taylor Swift song or something. I would never play the Taylor Swift song on it. And I recorded <laughs> it live on the radio and I got a copyright notice and they deleted my episode because they said there was a Taylor Swift song in it, which I don't understand. So, so don't sing too much. You don't want Pot on Your Loons to be unavailable to the masses. Well, no, we got flagged once because people think that my voice sounds so much like Dan Patrick's. <laughs> really? No, that was just a joke. I like Dan Patrick, though. He has a good voice. Anyway, uh, we got some news. So Michael Boxall signs a two-year extension. Did we? Stalwart Kiwi. What? Hold What's on. It, James? We, we can't just breeze past the fact that the Vikings suck as well. If oh, yeah, like, you know what? You know together. what? You know what? We are <laughs> in the we are on top of the division due to point differential. Okay. Every team in the NFC North lost, and we lost by the least. And they just decided to have the most Minnesota starting of the season ever, right? Like they they give up a big lead to a crappy team, they fight their way back in, they force overtime. Dalvin Cook I was does not say, fumble. Hold on, because they did hit the game tying field goal. Yeah, the, like, the kicker, the kicker that? made the field goal. Yeah, so it wasn't, uh, the it wasn't Blair Wood. It wasn't ever. Blair Walsh. Yeah, uh, but then uh, Dalvin Cook fumbled it in quotation marks, and uh, they beat us. So, but hey, we have the the like a minus three point differential, which is better than all the other teams. So we're in first place. I mean, hey, you could be the Seahawks who won, but are at the bottom of the NFC West because every other team won as well. <laughs> yeah, that sounds better, James. <laughs> we won. <laughs> when when winning is worse than losing. Yeah. <laughs> now, t- tell me about Michael Boxhall because I read a stat on the big screen at the, the Minnesota United game this past weekend at uh, Lumen, Lumen Field, as it's called now, that he has played more games against the Sounders than any other player on the Minnesota roster. Now, I assume that's because he started every game for Minnesota, but he also played against the Sounders back in 2011 when he was on the Vancouver Whitecaps. Michael Boxall has 
more appearances for Minnesota United than any other team. Sorry, than any other player in our history. So he's he's our appearance leader in the MLS era, at least. And at this point, he might even be the all time appearance leader. We'd have to look into that. But he's I mean, I, I would say he's more or less our captain. He typically will give the ar- armband to Ozzy if he's on, if Ozzy is on the field, he'll give the ar- armband over to Ozzy. But he's more or less our captain until he got hurt. He really had never missed a game and yeah, signed a two year extension. He's just been he's been great for us. Like Eichelpara, not uh last season when we found out Eichelpara wasn't coming back. We were worried. Like, what are we gonna do without Eichelpara? Well, Michael Boxall has been amazing in that stretch. There were times, right? There were times a few years ago when I remember people talking about who is going to be the starting center back opposite of Eichelpara. Is it going to be Michael Boxall or Brent Coleman? That was a discussion that people were having. No one's having that discussion anymore. Michael Boxall has been amazing. And that's that's not a slam on Brent Coleman. I think he's been a fine backup anytime he's been called on by us this season. Um, but I think we all agree that Michael Boxall, right, he was my vote for player of the season last year. Yeah, and I mean, like it, it shows that he's played 106 games for us. And in total minutes, he's played... 104.9 sets of 90 minutes. So in all of those 106 games, the total minutes he's not been on the pitch have been equivalent to just over 90 minutes out of 9,444. <laughs> he basically, if he's on the pitch, he plays the whole time is essentially what that says. Like that's how much we rely on him and how much we need him to be on the pitch. Yeah, and then he had a nice quote. Uh, James, as the resident person that kind of has an accent that kind of resembles Michael Boxall's, do you want to read the quote? <laughs> just just lump yeah. these in Australia and <laughs> down there. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so he said, uh, very happy to commit the next couple of years here. I've really enjoyed my time here. I'm delighted that my daughter Maxwell has given me permission to stay here for a couple more years. Already the family makes so many sacrifices with my schedule and moving countries once or twice before. So now that the little ones are in school with a good circle of friends, I want to affect them as little as possible. Happy to be setting deeper roots here for a couple more years. And if you're keeping track, he went from Vancouver in the MLS to playing for Wellington uh, in the A-League, so back to New Zealand. Then he went to the to South Africa with Supersport, and then he came back to the US to play well, he came to the U.S., back to the MLS to play for Minnesota United. So fourth country uh, since 2011. Now our training room, improving a little bit, two solid weeks off. Justin, you want to update us on the training room? Yeah, so Franco Fragapane came back after eight games with a thigh injury, missed eight games with a thigh injury. The last time he played was the uh, July 18th game versus Seattle that both Sam and I were at. It's a wonderful win that game. Uh, but we were told that we should expect Ray and Ludd back for this game, and that was not the case. Uh, it also kind of sounds like you know Heath, Heath really didn't say much about whether or not we should expect to see them in the next two games, right? We have two games coming up here quickly. So more games without Ray and Robin Ludd. And then we also, again, were without Juan Agadello and Nico Hansen. Now, Cameron, 
you've been a MLS fan longer than us, right? Because the Sounders have been in the MLS a lot longer than the Loons have been. So I guess what I'm getting at is we're kind of new to the MLS. Is this kind of normal, like to just have all these injuries all at the same time, like season after season? Or like, do we have like some bad luck or some bad juju? Like, what's going on? Like, yeah, out here, man. I mean, I can only speak from the Sounders perspective, but I swear that there's some sort of hamstring ghost or something that goes in and bites people's hamstrings because the Sounders are notorious for bad hamstrings and just so and and major injuries and and things like that. So what I think it really is is that it's a grueling season and and people think about you know especially when we get coaches that like come over from Europe going across the United States all the flight and travel and everything is so much more difficult here and so i think it just all adds into it and you know i wonder a little bit about turf fifa's own studies show that you actually don't get more injuries on turf and the injuries you get are not as bad they aren't they won't they're usually more muscular rather than joints and stuff like that and so and i always wonder why we have this turf debate when fifa's own studies say that turf is technically better although i think that's the brand new high quality turf not the traditional one that was so bad uh so it's a game of attrition in some ways in the mls you have so many games the season's so long and the travel's so far that uh you deal with injuries constantly and what used to happen was you had really deep benches but with the salary cap not you know it hasn't changed at all the, this year it's not changing next year because of covid they've they've kept it flat so what you're seeing is more high quality players being signed on the high end in in the mid levels but then you don't have the depth behind them so i think we've always had this amount of injuries it's just there's not the depth to make up for them so it's hurting teams a lot more because because depth in the mls is so much less now you can't carry as many great players you have to really rely on your youth or or just uh, like retreads to be able to fill in when necessary yeah and i i always wonder because most mls fans have a team in europe that they follow and i always wonder do we compare our fandoms like cameron you and i are chelsea fans chelsea probably has like three teams that they could put out on any given week for sure they have two so when there are these injuries, even if there's multiple injuries, yeah, it kind of sucks. But like N'Golo Conte hasn't been 100% this season. He's one of the best freaking players in the world, if not the best. And Chelsea haven't skipped a beat because they have Jorginho and Kovacic. So I, I guess what I'm saying is, is that I don't know. I wonder, I wonder if MLS fans are comparing just the depth of their European teams, which mostly are some of the bigger European teams, right? I think Justin is kind of unique in his Leeds fandom. But comparing MLS fandom to following European teams that have just insane roster depth. I don't know. I don't so know let me ask you all something. something. Yeah, yeah, it might be. Because this would be about your GM, which obviously I don't know about, but... The GM of the Sounders uh, came from RSL. Garth Lagerwey came from Real Salt Lake. And at Salt Lake, he built one of the best youth systems around. And that was when they had that big run and they ended up going to the CONCACAF Champions League final and stuff like that. 
but then he came here and before he was here, it was like when a Seattle player got hurt, you were just in trouble because there was no one to step up. If Dempsey got hurt, you were screwed. But then he has set up a system where, yes, there's going to be a drop off to that next level. But you have those teams where you have a minor league team and you have maybe two there and you have your bench players so that if one person gets hurt, it's just next man up. And sure, there'll be a drop off, but it doesn't hurt the team as much because you have a player who's trained with the other player in the same position who's ready to just step up into that position. And is that something that Minnesota has done with their youth system to try and invest in uh, that kind of system? Or are they still relying on on the, the older model of MLS, which is superstars type players? Well, I, what I, what well, use system? I, yeah, <laughs> I, well, in superstars, I we don't do that. We don't have either of those things, Cameron. Yeah, <laughs> it's like uh, the classic uh, when you know Bruce Banner goes to Wakanda and Chadwick Boseman's like, we don't do that here. Yeah, youth system or superstars. Actually, we don't do. Yeah, like Sam said, we don't do either of those things. I mean, yeah. but you've got some quality DPS. You know what I mean? And yeah. And quality individuals, like, of course, Ozzy, who is my favorite uh, on Minnesota for obvious reasons, although it was very sad to see him. It's kind of sad, I guess, to see him get nutmegged on that goal where the ball went right through his legs. But I think that that's the way that Seattle has been dealing with it. And that's how this season where they've had, you know, we, we missed our one of the best goalies in the league for most of the season. We missed other various starters at various times and there was someone else to step up. There was that one game where Seattle started, I think it was five players under 18. But you know what I mean? Like, they, they, that's what they've gone with. So um, hopefully you all can do the same thing, because I think the system that Minnesota has in place playing-wise seems to be good. You know, the system on the field. And I mean, our draft picks actually haven't been terrible lately. You know, we've, we've kind of drafted people who, you know, we've stuck around, we've sent them on loan. Sure, we had like one retire. Um, to go be a lawyer. He wasn't a draft pick, though. Was Foster not a draft pick? No, he was like, nah. we picked him up when Reno 911 folded. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I don't remember the number after <laughs> Reno, but it was called Reno, and then there was a number. We'll just say it was Reno 911. <laughs> They've only been gone a year, and no one remembers who they are. Yeah, I mean, okay, apart from that, so... But yeah, like we we had some good draft picks and they and they've looked good. So I mean, I guess we draft well, but maybe that's, maybe that's, that's the question for Cameron. Does your team actually care about the draft? Because that's like the no. only way we seem to find like depth pieces. Like Hassani Dotson is a prime example of a guy we drafted that has been pretty good, right? Like he probably should have been a Sounders. Like he's from, they, they talked about the whole game that he's from Seattle. I'm surprised. Yeah. Why wasn't he a part of their youth program? Yeah, there's always a few of those that slip away, I guess. I, I've, I've been curious about that myself uh, with Dotson. But um, no, the, the, I mean, you still get, you can get good draft picks. Trey Muse was the Sounders draft pick and he's on loan at uh, San Diego Loyal. So he he's the, I guess, heir apparent to uh, Stefan Fry since we sent um, your your goalie away when we sent him to L.A., uh, Tyler Miller, because he was too good. It was like Tyler Miller can't sit on the bench for another five or six years. He needs to be starting somewhere. But no, the draft, other than someone like that, the draft, you're never going to find players really that, that 
I think a lot of players are foregoing the system. There's still some good in the college system, but you know, you're talking to Garth Lagerway, uh, which I'm lucky enough to be able to do every few months. Um, who's the GM of the Sounders? It's like the U12 players have a higher ceiling than the U14s, have a higher ceiling than the U15s, have a higher ceiling than the U17s. So when you've got these young players coming into Seattle now that are 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, those they all played in you know the the Youth Club World Cup and all these other. So they've been with the Sounders for a long time, and and they don't pan out. Uh, Sam Rogers was a guy who was supposed to be the next center back of the future and it just didn't work for him or uh, Darwin Jones who did go to college and then was a homegrown player I watched him when he played for the University of Washington absolutely dominate the second team for the Sounders came in never could make it out of uh, that was then Sounders 2 S2 Uh, and and so I think a lot of it is on the players but Really, it's it's a numbers game, right? So I see that you all have a U14 and below, U15 pro, U17 pro, U19 club choice, and second team reserve system. But well, it looks it's like more it's, complicated you than just that. Yeah. It's more, more complicated than just that. We don't really need to get into this because they have those, they have those squads, but those squads, all the players there have other clubs that they belong to like a local club team Mm -hmm. and then they like take a break from their club team to go and play with minnesota united on occasion i'm I'm not gonna lie and say that i have deep dived into this okay but we have clubs scattered all over minneapolis right our mutual friend nate he coaches for one of these clubs and all the players that are on the youth teams from Minnesota United, they all belong to one of these clubs full time. Mm-hmm. And then it's almost like they're loaned out to Minnesota United, almost like they're called up as if they're going to go play for the national team. So, so that's kind of how the structure is. That's very unique for the MLS. I think the loons were the first to do this, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say because they introduced that during the pandemic. So it's hard to say, mm-hmm what exactly the plan is, especially hearing how, right, there's this new third tier U.S. soccer league that's all MLS Academy teams or MLS. Right, I think that's going to be the big changer in terms of development in the league where every team will require be required to do that. And you'll see, like, the Sounders have a, a USL team that will have to drop down to that. So Yeah, and as someone that likes to follow the USL, I'm actually excited for that because – there's nothing more boring than watching a team play in a MLS team's like second tier, um, just practice field or whatever. <laughs> so like, there's nothing more boring than watching forward Madison go play at Toronto too, because there's 10 people watching. I'd much rather watch forward Madison play another team that has an actual fan base. So if you're listening to this podcast right now and you have a child that you would like to get into the Minnesota youth development system, go to mnufc.com slash youth slash overview. And there's actually a form you can fill out with uh, your name, email, phone number, kid date of birth, and the current club. So someone listening to this might be the future starting forward for Minnesota United. Maybe that's got more goals than our current forwards do. I Maybe signed my son up for that and Packer season tickets the same day. Yeah, I think I think a Google form is the best way to get talent on your team, right? Just, yeah. you know, if you're interested, fill out this Google form. We'll get back to you later and we'll see what's up. 
do you think do you think it's one of those where like I don't imagine they get a lot but do you think it's one of them where it's like someone comes in and they're like you know the systematic like birth the cinematic burst through the door like we got one <laughs> like <laughs> cuz they're so few and far between I mean hold on we we've gotten Patrick right we've got Fred Patrick, we've gotten Fred big Fred big Fred so you know I don't know. I, again, I, I, I said at the beginning of the episode, there are certain things where I'm like, the more I know, the more I know, I don't know S. And this is kind of one of those things. I'm not saying that there's no one out there with a microphone that doesn't know more than our front office. I don't necessarily believe that to be the case. I, I assume that our front office has a plan and knows what they're doing. And know what? They're going to have to answer for that. If this is a gigantic failure, they're going to have to answer for that. They're probably going to lose their job, right? Like, I don't know. The four of us, are we that worried about losing our jobs based on the, on the decisions we make? I don't get the impression of that. People in sports, coaches, general managers, their job security, not very good. So when they make decisions like this, it doesn't pan out. They lose their jobs. Our front office has made a bold decision in the way they're doing the academy. And if it doesn't work out, they gone. I, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I guess we're just hoping that, you know, the any talent that we can snap up will just be uh, the best buy that's currently available. Is that a reference to our new like, <laughs> yeah. chief offer? What, what's her title? Chief Operator Executive? Isn't she CEO? I don't know. Chief Executive Officer? CEO... She comes from Best Buy, Cameron. That's what he's getting at. Yeah, CEO. She's a former Best Buy executive, Shari Ballard. So that's... That's a good yeah. dad joke, James. Thank you. Yeah. I'm practicing. Got to build it up, you know. Wow. Over You got to build it up over the years. Okay. Well, that's good news. Um, Let's... uh Before we get to the loss at Seattle. So, wow, great discussion so far, guys. You guys are in top form. <laughs> You guys are in top form. We've we took like two weeks off. This is the first time that the three regular hosts have been together. And James and I just realized we haven't talked in over a month because I had a kid and then he went on vacation and then there was an international break. And we both had haircuts. We both had haircuts in between. One of us noticed and the other didn't. We won't say which one, but one of us noticed. The other one didn't. James noticed. I didn't. <laughs> And anyway, we're in good form. That's all I'm going to say. I would have expected us to come out a little bit more sluggish, but these have been good conversations. Let's just briefly touch on the U.S. men's national team. I was going to do a good segue. Speaking of sluggish, <laughs> let's go to the U.S. men's national team. Wow. <laughs> Another dad joke. Come on, man. Two draws. Oof. Let's first give a plug for our friend Nate. If not for a friend, Nate, he's the Portland Timbers fan that occasionally comes on Pot on You Loons. If not for our friend, Nate, we wouldn't know Cameron. He is our mutual friend that brings us the quality, silky voice of Cameron from Seattle. But Nate, he has a U.S. Men's National Team podcast now. So check it out. They're called American Podligans. And I've listened. They have two episodes now talking about the World Cup qualifiers. First episode was solid. Second episode, they're already starting to hit their stride. So give them a shout. 
American Podligans. I don't know their Twitter. <laughs> I don't know their Twitter handle, but just look for American Podligans. I listened to them on Spotify earlier. They're for sure on Spotify. Check them out. But U.S. Men's National Team tied for second in the group with Canada and Panama after the first round of World Cup qualifiers. So it's a group of eight. This is really, it's it's the final group, right? So eight finalists, top four advance. And actually, what I learned from American Podligans is top three automatically are into the World Cup. It's number four has to do with playoff. They think probably against New Zealand. I don't know. Ask Nate. But anyway, it was a 0-0 draw at El Salvador on September 2nd, and then a 1-1 draw versus Canada in Nashville on September 5th. And then it was a 4-1 win at Honduras on September 8th. Five points out of three games, maybe a little bit underwhelming, as James said, a little sluggish out the gate, but good enough to be tied for second. I think on goal differential, I think we're second because, or sorry, I think we're third because I think Canada is currently second. Mexico in first with seven points. It's funny that you mentioned New Zealand is because the reason it's generally New Zealand now is because Australia used to be in Oceania, which is the team that usually gets to play against like the kind of CONCACAF third place or fourth place kind of playoff. But Australia basically went, we're too big for Oceania. We want to move to Asia. And so New Zealand has kind of de facto become the biggest team in Oceania. So they generally, and I'm from fairly sure that Oceania don't get an automatic spot in the World Cup. So the winner of the group has to play the, like the fourth place team in this case, because um, Oceania's isn't big enough to get an automatic entry. So there's been quite a few times that Australia have been up against like Uruguay and then lost. Uh, and then there was famously once when we when we beat Uruguay, we beat someone from uh, Concacaf to make it to uh, to World Cup for the first time in like twenty years. But that was way back in like two thousand eight or something, two thousand twelve, two thousand ten, I think. But uh, yeah, that's why it's New Zealand now because basically New Zealand is just de facto the best team in Oceania now because Australia left. <laughs> we wanted better competition. And Asia gets multiple entries straight into the World Cup. So that's what we wanted. We'll make sure to follow James on Twitter for his brand new Oceania soccer podcast (laughs) that he's launching. Michael Boxall, New Zealand. The New Zealand soccer team is the all whites. Like the all blacks is the the rugby team. And then the soccer team is the all whites. Yeah. So they've been talking about changing that. I I think. (laughs) Good idea. All all of their teams are basically either white, black, or silver, uh, because that's basically like the three colors that New Zealand has. That's so, cool. Why would they change that? Yeah, apparently the all whites and the all blacks are a little. Uh... Think about it, Sam. Yeah, <laughs> think but... about it, man. No, like I get that, but that's not what it means, right? Like you're not changing the name of the Chicago White Sox, the Washington Football Team. That's different. Right, that's different because that yeah, was yeah. racist. But saying you are the Chicago White Sox, that's not racist. I assume that the New Zealand All Whites or the New Zealand All Blacks is not racist. Am I wrong? Is that actually racial? Hi, my name is Cameron. I am the new host of Pawna New Loon. <laughs> Sam has been canceled. 
I might be. I might be. But no, like I, I thought I thought the Washington Redskins shouldn't have been a name for a long time. But I, I yeah, I think it. it's less about the the actual name and more about that. It just it sounds weird, right? It sounds weird. If you don't like I don't know, like I've known who the All Blacks were forever and I've never once thought it was racial. So I guess if you don't know New Zealand sport and I don't I'm not a rugby guy. I want to put that out there. I'm not a rugby guy. I just follow sports. Not Whatever. a racist, not a rugby guy. <laughs> I, I don't think I said anything wrong. Sam, it's I, okay. We're good. It's, You're it's good, man. Sam. You're good. You're good, Sam. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. It's basically like uh, New Zealand is going through uh, a uh, cultural inclusivity journey is what it's. Uh, I like that. Was also, that sounds great. There was also a super rugby team that had uh, a knight brandishing a sword, uh, which they also changed because uh, they thought it might be a reference to uh, like the basically like the Crusades because they're the Crusaders. So then they didn't want to have like the fight between Muslims and Christians be uh, part of their logo. Seems like they should have changed their name and not the logo. Yeah, it happened. So that was the thing. So yeah. Cultural inclusivity. But shall we continue with the U.S. men's team? Uh, sure. What happened to our boy Weston? The big CF. It's basically the big CF is just Weston. Uh, was sent home from Honduras for a COVID protocol breach. So there were two rumors that I heard, actually. So there's one rumor in the notes that said that he had an unauthorized guest in his hotel room. And the other one was that he actually went out to a party or a nightclub or somewhere that wasn't COVID proof uh, as well, which was, he did. Uh, was something else that I heard. He like did the same thing and got in the same kind of trouble for Juventus. Like in the he height hosted of the a party. Yeah. He hosted a party during the lockdown. <laughs> yeah. They had like uh, Dybala and stuff go as well. So yeah. Yeah. Just, I saw Landon Donovan basically uh, calling him out. He just, he just needs to be better. Like it's, just don't be a D-bag, right? Like, that's, just, that's well, basically what it is. And, and I get, like, everyone is young and stupid for a little bit. And I, for the record, I hope he learns from this and that it doesn't happen again. I, I think I said that the first time it happened. Um, <laughs> I think he's, what, 22? Is he 22? Can someone fact check me on that? You guys are a little quicker with the keyboard than I am. But like, uh, He is 23 as of two weeks ago. Oh, my God. When I was 23, I had I was a fully licensed teacher with my own classroom um, full of English language learners that were like four grades below below grade level. You know, you know, so it's like you can only use the age thing so far. Like at at some point, you just kind of got to like he's getting paid a lot of money for this job. He's got to be there for that job. I'm sure he knows that. I'm sure he realizes he made a mistake. But I don't know. To me, this is kind of like strike two. Yeah. I agree with the last part, but you saying that when you were when when I was twenty three, I had this really important job that most people that are twenty three don't have. I mean, when you know, I was a lot 20, of people when they're twenty three are are teachers, right? But when I was twenty three, I I had it was my year off between college and law school, and I just bummed around a radio station and worked in the mailroom on campus at Santa Clara University. I had no real responsibilities. That was important, man. Come I mean, on. That... People got their mail. I was a bank teller, <laughs> hating my life. It was great. I mean, 
first of all, Cameron, your job sounded awesome. It was fun. But, but like, you get you get what I mean. Like, if I, I, I don't know what the equivalent to breaking COVID protocol as a professional soccer player would be for a 23-year-old teacher who is supposed to be teaching. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I did things like, when all my friends were out playing trivia late at night on a Thursday, I left at nine o'clock so that I would be home and get to bed on time so that I could be awake. Such a nerd. You're so wholesome. <laughs> you're so wholesome. Well, you're just, you're just pure and innocent, Sam. And that's why we love you. Well, hold on. And, and Justin can, because Justin was a young teacher once too. And, and Cameron, I know you teach at the college level, but you, you teach at like night. Justin, is there anything worse? <laughs> Than being like tired or hungover and around middle schoolers all day. It's pretty terrible. I would not recommend it. That's a, that is a fair point because uh, I do, I do sometimes teach during the day, but it's still college students. I have, I have been a substitute teacher. Uh, I've only taught college, grad school and law school, but I've been a substitute teacher, sixth grade through 12th grade. And the worst people on the planets are eighth graders and law students. So, uh, <laughs> They're the two most self-important people on the planet. And, and oh, my gosh, eighth graders. Oh, my gosh. And they, they, a lot of them don't use the deodorant yet, and they need to. Um, it's it's and Sometimes it's even down to sixth grade, depending on the ages. But, oh, you're right. You win. You're they've correct. Got, and, they've got and, life and, figured out, but just not personal hygiene, right? Like, they've got. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, what, it's the worst is also eighth graders who want to be lawyers. Oh, my God. That's just a. That's just a nightmare combo. Uh, that was me, but that was only because I was going to be an astronaut and then the Challenger blew up and I decided to be a lawyer instead. Yeah, that's fair enough. When I was six or whatever. So U.S. Men's National Team, they have coming up Jamaica, October 7th, at Panama, October 10th, and versus Costa Rica, October 13th. So some pretty quality opponents as far as CONCACAF goes. And like I said, make sure to check out our friend Nate the American Podligans. It's a pretty good podcast. He knows what he's talking about. I think we can all vouch for that. Longtime listeners of the show have probably heard him come on to talk his Portland Timbers. So you know he knows what he's talking about. And Greg Berhalter, if you're listening, play Christian Roldan more. The team (laughs) scores every time he's on the field. You got Leggett out there doing nothing. And then you put on Roldan and suddenly they score. So there's your answer, man. I know you listen to this religiously, so put him in. <laughs> You're saying that sarcastically. He does. I'm sorry. We we get his fan mail, right? <laughs> what do you What do you guys think, honestly, about the U.S. men's national team chances? Like, your lock top three, or like two draws have got you slightly twitch. If qualifiers ended today, they'd be in. Okay, it was just the first three games. They got a lot of games left. Um, what they got. They got 14 games total. They played three of them. If it ended today, they'd be in. I think their quality has to push them through. They just won the Nations League and the Gold Cup against these same teams. This wasn't ideal for the first three games, but I'm not too worried. For me, uh, you know, I think they have the talent. I mean, they're ranked number 10 in the world for a reason, and the talent's there. They don't seem to be gelling as a team. They don't seem to be playing well together, and that's kind of what's holding them back and maybe about the slow start. So hopefully they figure it out in this process. I am worried because they haven't played Mexico yet, and it would be really easy to lose both of those matches. 
And so suddenly that creates a situation where you have to win a lot of matches and, and, and can't slip up with ties against some of these lesser teams. I mean, they're tying against teams that are ranked in the 60s, in the 80s. I'm not one to overreact despite tweeting fire Burhalter. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I am cautiously optimistic, but these first three matches have, have, have made me a little worried. Yeah, I think what you alluded to is almost like the classic England in the 90s problem and kind of early 2000s where we we had some we had some very, you know, world-class quality players and you know, the US is 10th in the world, so they've got definitely world-class players. But we just never gelled as a team because everyone played for different clubs and no one really liked each other and they didn't really, you know, we didn't win major tournaments when you know, a lot of people expected us to because we just couldn't get it together in the teamwork. And I think, yeah, if that's what you're alluding to, it's something that they're going to need to work out. And it's something that the coach needs to work on too, because that was one thing that Gareth Southgate did was kind of go, well, actually it's England first and whatever club you are second, not the other way around, which is what the problem was, especially even when he was in the team. So it's something that's going to have to be, worked out and I think uh, by the coach as well and yeah hopefully you guys can work it out I mean like you said there's three down 11 games to go but uh, it'll be interesting to see I'm sure my Twitter feed will be blowing up about every game anyway so one thing I thought was funny about listening to Nate's American Podligans is the kind of and I, I don't really follow the US men's national team too close I try to watch them I follow them on social media and I now listen to the Podligans, but I have never been one to claim that I'm just this huge U.S. men's national team fan. I found it very hilarious that the primary Twitter complaints that Nate and his co-host Joe were discussing were that Greg Berhalter, that he didn't use his subs until the 80th minute, and that he didn't adjust his tactics when he should have. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, so watching the U.S. men's national team and watching Minnesota United and then writing about it on Twitter is like the same thing because <laughs> copy paste tweets. <laughs> Good times. Okay. Shoot. We're like over 50 minutes in. We're not even done with news. I feel silly even bringing this up, but I always love to give a little love to Ford Madison and Minneapolis city. And they actually played each other. So Minneapolis city's final game of the season was a friendly at Forward Madison. Forward Madison won that game 6-0. Forward Madison then hosted the Richmond Kickers for a 1-0 win last Saturday. Madison currently occupies the sixth, sixth and final playoff spot with 27 points. However, they do have at least one game in hand on the entire league, except for league leaders Omaha, and they have at least two games in hand on the remaining four teams placed higher in the table than Madison. So one win and they could be in third, depending on the goal differential. So go forward, Madison, go Mingos. That's exciting stuff. All right, guys, 55 minutes in, we are ready to talk the zero one loss at Seattle. So I'm going to kind of give you the previous results and then I'm going to give you the lineup and then I'm going to back out. And the reason I'm going to back out is because my kid is okay, right? My kid is okay, but he had um, 
he had RSV. Like there's a ton of viruses going around. So just PSA, like if you have a virus and you're around a newborn, maybe not be around that newborn. Not that anyone got my kid sick. It was my daughter that got my kid sick. My daughter was going to get my kid sick regardless. But yeah, I did not watch this game. I was sleeping and it was a 0-1 loss. And I was like, you know what? Cam, I already know is going to be on. Justin and James are both going to be on. I'm going to let them talk about it. So we lost 0-1 to Seattle, but we previously, okay, on July 18th, Justin and I were both there, won 1-0 at home. However, season opener, 0-4 loss against Seattle. That was April 16th. So we are 1-2 against Seattle this year. No draws. Our lineup for this game was Tyler Miller in the goal. Our defense was Chase Gasper, Baki Debasi, Michael Boxall, and Ramon Metinair. Our midfield was Will Trapp and Ozzy Alonso. Our attacking midfield was Franco Fragapene, who is back after a long absence, Hassani Dotson, and Ethan Finley, and it was Adrian Hunu up top. Our subs were in the 66th minute, Adi came on for Hunu, which I'm liking so far. I assume I'm liking in this game. I didn't watch this game as I already said, and in the 70th minute, it was Hayes for Franco Fragapane. And then, you know what? I meant to do this. Sorry, I meant to do this earlier when I was kind of giving the spiel about why I didn't watch this game. Nurses are awesome. Nurses are like the most amazing people in the world, and not just nurses, but anyone that works at a hospital that is involved with what goes on there. They are amazing people. I don't care what their job is. If they're contributing to what happens at our hospitals, They are awesome. They're so good at what they do. And like as a society, we got to honor those people. That is all I got to say. You guys take it away. Yeah, rock on. Honor nurses. That's cool. Should we let's go over some stats, some real quick stats, and then we can uh, get more into the game. Possession was pretty even. Seattle 52%. We had 48%. Shots on target. uh, Shots in general. Seattle had 10 with five of them on target. And... As usual for us, we had about 15, uh, of only which four were on target. So, you know, another category we always need to be better at. And as we talked about earlier, expected goals. Uh, Seattle had 1.3. We had 0.8. So pretty even there. And, uh, yeah, Justin, Cam, you guys want to go through the game? Yeah, I mean, the game, really, like, the only thing that happened was just a beautiful goal by... Jao, Jao Paulo? Jao Paulo? How do you say it, Cam? Yeah, ja- well, the official pronunciation on the sheet is Jao Paulo, but uh, I think Jao Paulo is just what we say. So, Portuguese for John, by the way. <clears throat> yeah, so he, just a great goal. Uh, our, our whole back line got just really, really deep towards the goal, and he was just wide open running down the middle. And as, as Cam alluded to, uh, just nutmegs. Ozzy Alonso and and in off the post, just a beautiful goal. Uh, you know, I, as as a as a fan of soccer, I enjoyed it. So, but not as a fan of as a fan of the Minnesota United. Yeah, you know, on that goal in particular, um, you had Benazay running down the wing, and he he's a new uh, Sounders player. We've only we just got him at the end of the transfer window. Um, we uh, traded for him, I believe. Um, he actually started in the MLS Cup against the Sounders in Seattle for Toronto. 
not that long ago. So uh, what's it, 20, 2019. So, um, but he came in and, 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 and th- he's been good, but in this game, he was pretty great. He had a lot of great crosses and that was one. And something the Sounders do a lot is, and, and uh, I haven't seen a team really step up to try and stop it, is that rather than crossing it and having in, in front of everybody, they kind of hesitate and let the defenders run back and then cross it on that next line, which leads the second person, which is usually a center defensive mid. So it's going to be uh, Jao Paulo or Christian Roldan, depending on what position he's playing, to come in and, and kick in the goal. So uh, it, it was a great cross. And uh, and JP has had some some really good goals this year. Uh, but it's just it's cool to see a player like Benazek come in and, and immediately have an impact, um, especially when the Sounders uh, had I think we had four of our four or five of our starters missing. Uh, Raul Rui Diaz is still in uh, COVID protocol just from coming back from Peru, and then uh, both rolled on brothers were on the bench because they had been out for the USA and El Salvador. Um, Brad Smith was on the bench because he had just come back from. Um, Australia and uh, another player in there something. So, so several starters that you usually would have seen out there weren't there. Um, what I found interesting about the match though, was in the beginning, it was mostly Minnesota controlling it and then Seattle going on counterattacks. And so a lot of those early chances were counterattacks from Seattle. And it really, uh, I think the possession didn't change until Seattle had the lead and particularly in the, uh, the the last quarter of the game uh, where they kind of just tried to control the ball a little more. So it, it, overall, it was a pretty pretty even game. Um, only a few dangerous chances overall from Minnesota. I thought Seattle was a little more goal dangerous, but as a whole, I didn't, I didn't see much to, to separate the teams. Um, Aussie, in the, especially in the beginning of the game, was just just destroying stuff out there. He, he would recover and break up uh, attacks and um, it was like seeing Ozzy of old. And then after the game, he walked around and signed autographs for all the fans and kind of waved at everyone knowing that that was probably his last game ever inside the stadium here in Seattle. So, yeah, Ben is also that I don't know who, who passed the ball to him, but he had that breakaway where, you know, I mean, obviously it's just like, you know, is it a good save? Is it, did he miss an opportunity? You know, like, he looked really nice. He looked very dangerous. Um, and yeah, your team looked great. I I think it could have been three nothing Seattle. Like there's there's a there's a chance that that happens. We just you know Ozzy was great. I think having three center defensive midfielders playing as like that's just not going to help us. You know, w- with the injuries that we have, having Hassani Dotson play as kind of our number ten. I think that's kind of that's the role they had him in. It was just it was just tough for us to get anything going. Um, we we were gonna have to get lucky if we were gonna score a goal in that game. It felt it, it didn't feel like it just didn't feel like we had that that final. Obviously, we didn't right. We didn't score a goal, but there just wasn't anything in the attacking third happening. And the big issue for Seattle has been closing out games. It's it's having a one zero lead or being tied late and then allowing that late goal, whether it be. Uh, in the run of play or a set piece or a penalty kick. Uh, I mean, we kind of saw that the game that was the, that you both went to at Minnesota for Seattle. Um, and so I think the big thing for Seattle was they were happy that the game closed out and that, uh, and that um, they didn't allow that. But 
I, I don't know. I think it was the beginning of the game where Seattle really looked dangerous, where I felt like it could have been three or four goals. You know, the, uh, Will Bruin having a wide open goal and just shooting it directly at Tyler Miller instead of to, I guess he would have only been able to go to the, the right corner based on the defenders. But um, a few few good shots. But, uh, you know, I, it never felt like Seattle was a dom- the dominant team. I think we're we see that uh, they kind of grind out games and, and, and rely on one goal wins, which seems like Minnesota kind of does too when you get that goal. Yeah, we're, we're not a team at the moment that uh, scores a lot of goals. In fact, we were talking about we still haven't scored more than two goals a game in any, uh, sorry, two goals in any one game over the entire season. So we're very much one goal leads and, and hanging on is, uh, is generally our repertoire. So, which, you know, we, you would think we would know how to break that down, being such specialists at ourselves. But uh, yeah, just not uh, not that day. And uh, to make matters a little bit worse, for our next match on Wednesday against Sporting Kansas City, both Chase Gasper and Ozzy will miss due to yellow card accumulation. Well, so that's another two players we're down. I, I, I hate saying this with Cameron on, but Ozzy is probably easier for us to make do without. We. I mean, he's at the end of his career, so yeah. Right. yeah. He's not necessarily even our regular starter anyway. Um, right. He's more of a superstar at this point. Yeah. So Ozzy, we, we have the depth to make do without. I'm not too worried about that, whether it's Jan or Hassani switching back in, back there and lining up a trap. I, I, I don't know. Gasper, has, has he played every game this year, or did he miss one because of injury? He missed one. He missed one from injury, yeah. Okay, and I'm trying to remember who started in his place. Was it DJ Taylor? DJ Taylor. DJ yep. Taylor. Okay. Yep. So that's probably who we'll see at left back. Yeah. On Wednesday. Okay. Now, one thing I want to talk about in this game was a moment that happened where Fernando Adi subbed in and James Woolard, the announcer at Lumen Field, announced Adi, but someone screwed up i guess maybe abila used was number 9 before and they put his picture up and it was really yeah. disappointing to me because those of us that knew hate fernando adi because of his time in portland and all the big goals he had against sure. us and every time he touched the ball we booed but most of the stadium didn't realize it was fernando adi because the picture was the wrong one so we need to talk about how the sounders game operation ruined a chance for us to boo a tempers player I know he plays for your team now, but he will always be a Timbles Dempers player for me. In in his defense, we've gone through number nines. Like there's been yeah. like five dudes that have worn <laughs> number nine in the last like three seasons. So Okay, so it's an easy mistake, uh, I guess. I'm not I'm not surprised they can't keep up, All right. to be honest. So this season, so twenty twenty one, it's been Adi and Avila. Last season it was um Amaria. In twenty nineteen it was it was just uh, Rodriguez, right? Angelo Rodriguez. So four in the last three seasons. Yeah, that's still a lot of number nines. Yeah, I think the season before it started out with Dunlady and then switched to Dunlady gave up his yeah. number for Rodriguez when Rodriguez came in. Yeah, it's Dunlady, Rodriguez, Amaria, Abila, and now Adi. <laughs> now, Cam, I want to know: Did you guys realize he was in ever, or did, was that just like? So uh, James Willard, the announcer, did announce his name. So I, that's when I knew. I did not know that he even played for Minnesota. Yeah, we and we, we were like going for the the heap, the, the heap trying to find players that just had a pulse. 
Uh, Adrian Heath said they wanted a fit, like someone that was just in shape. They just needed an in shape forward. (laughs) Can you run? Yes, perfect. I I mean, maybe I haven't followed him since his stint in Cincinnati where he became their first DP and obviously didn't have an impact. But, uh, you know, he was so good for the Timbers. So seeing him come off the bench and and have this was his first appearance for the team, right? Or second appearance, maybe. He definitely is second or third. Uh, because we were, yeah, we were really appearance. psyched by what we saw in his debut. Yeah, second. Yeah. So, so and he, I guess the signing was just into August or something. So he missed half the season, though. So it was interesting that he didn't play for anyone during that time. So, you know, the really, like, the kind of weird thing is actually when you go through the number history, he had number nine, Fernando Addy. Then he had number eight, which is actually young Gregush's number. And then he went back to number nine and has been playing with number nine. According to, like the, the kind of number history. The that number history. Really. Apparently, he picked who? up uh, <laughs> transfer marked. I I think transfer marked is off. Yeah. I don't think Gregish ever gave up his number for Adi, especially when yeah Abila would have been long gone at He's that still point playing. anyway. Yeah. Though maybe transfer marked is onto something. Maybe we were trying to move Gregish. I don't know. That still would be weird. Why would he be? Okay. Here's some trivia. Here's some trivia for you. Which is the only number that more players have played at than number nine for Minnesota United? For Minnesota United, since like uh, sixteen seventeen season. Well, like who's played the most since sixteen seventeen? Like, like you mean since seventeen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on a weird calendar. They call James. it sixteenth. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Which which number has had more players playing that number than number nine? How many ones have we had? I feel like a lot of our early goalkeepers weren't one. No, I've only had three number ones. Um, Just tell us it. Just tell us, James. I can get it. Number twelve. Weird. So we've had Bakai Debasi, Aaron Schoenfeld, big salary, Lawrence Alum, who was another former Timbers player, I believe. Uh, Fernando Bob, Sam Nicholson, Joe Greenspan. Okay. Fernando Bob is a great name. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So there have been uh, six players to wear number 12. So we apparently we go through number 12s even more than we go through number nines. Can anyone wear number 12 for the Sounders, Cam? Or is that yeah, just we a... Don't... It's just the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, I think Nate Sturgis was originally number 12. Freddie Montero, I think, has it right now. Uh, since his number was already taken, but uh, yeah, that's that's only a, a Seahawks thing where twelve is retired. Okay, so Minnesota United now six in the West, so that means that Portland caught us because they had a three-game winning streak or something ridiculous like that. We only picked up four points in the same time when they picked up nine, but we're only two games down from Portland, and we have a game in hand, so we'll get them. Nate's team isn't that great. They got those hideous jerseys. They're not going to go far. So bad. But here are the discussion questions for today. So we have two big games coming up. Wednesday at the second place, Sporting Kansas City. And Saturday at the fourth place, LA Galaxy. And Saturday first the fourth place, LA Galaxy. We already know that we will be without Ozzy and Gasper for the first game. So here's what we ask. How many points do we come away with if Robin Ludd and Emmanuel Reynoso come back? And 
how many points do we come away with if they don't come back? What do you guys think? I'd, I'd like to think that we'd come away with four if they were there, but I feel like we'd only get maybe two or one if they're not there. Ooh. I, I, think, I think it's four with both of them. Like, that's, that's the hope. Uh, without, I think, I think we could find a way to beat LA Galaxy at home. I think that, that there's a chance that it happens. That's the one team I don't we've know never I, beaten at home. Is that correct? I, I think that was a trivia question earlier. Was that? Well, that was the last time I was on, you had that, yeah. I think. We've well, okay, maybe I should them. rethink things. No, like, it's got to uh, happen. Like, I, I, feel like, I feel like this game on Wednesday, I, I don't have high expectations. I don't think Ray and, and Lodo will be back, and I think that it's going to be a loss, unfortunately. And hopefully... We can find a way to get a W on on Saturday. Okay, this may be me. Like I just had a kid, and then the kid like got RSV and whatever. Um, so I've been I've been a little bit more disconnected than normal. But was this past game the first game since the All Star game? No, we played Houston. We uh, won okay. against Houston. Never mind, because I I think uh, the MLS had that thing where if an All Star doesn't play in the all-star game they have to miss their next mls game so i was wondering if maybe this was just emmanuel reynoso not wanting to play in the all-star game and then taking okay thank you for clearing that up not no did not know that was a thing yeah yeah if you you don't play in the all-star game you have to miss your next mls match so is that kind of less on the player and more on the team holding them back or no, I think it's to prevent players from dropping out because you have situations like the the NFL, the Pro Bowl, their All Star Game, where players are just like, "I'm not going to that." <laughs> Even especially when it, now that it's not in Hawaii. When it was in Hawaii, they were like vacation. Now that it's in Florida, they're like, "Nope." So they just don't want like none of the players to show up. Can you imagine being like Fair. just a multi multi millionaire and being like, "Ooh, free trip to Hawaii," as if like you couldn't just pay for one like a couple weeks later like i don't know like oh but um, it, it worked though i mean i i went to one, the year the seahawks won the super bowl i actually went to the pro bowl uh, i didn't go to hawaii with the intention of going to the pro bowl uh it was just a weekend that worked my buddy worked for alaska airlines so he flew us out there for a dollar and so fly out to hawaii hung out went to the game <laughs> But like the, we saw the players around town and they were loving it. It's a huge party where they get to hang out with their friends from other teams. And, and so it, I think it's more about the camaraderie sure. than it is about, and it's in a good location uh, and not, I don't know, wherever Orlando is where they <laughs> did it last time, I think. So, so <laughs> Florida. <laughs> Cam, I lived in Hawaii for, my dad was stationed at Pearl Harbor and we were there for six years. And every year I would get to miss school to watch Pro Bowl practices and and it was amazing. One time, I we saw Warren Sapp riding on a moped. That is a sight. Like <laughs> Warren Sapp, roll, like just riding low on a moped in Waikiki. It was That's great. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, when I went, uh, the state of the stadium was not great, and I'm not surprised it's since been condemned. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Oh man, it's a dub. And the the announce the the speakers were so bad that it sounded like the teacher from uh, Charlie Brown from Peanuts. It was just like wah 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 wah. So you want to hear what I think is going to happen for those next two Minnesota games? Yeah, man, that's sure. why you're on here. So SKC is going to be SKC is going to be tough. 
I think they are overrated overall, but Peter Vermey's teams are always tough and dirty and scrappy, and they're going to try and injure you. And so if you can get a point from that, that'll be great, but it's going to be hard. The L.A. game, though, L.A. only has four wins on the road this season. The Galaxy. So there's a chance with only four wins on the road. They have four wins, uh, four ties, and three losses, I think, is if I'm reading. I always get it confused. So the, it's win. Is it win, tie, loss? Or is it win-loss tie? Who knows anymore? I mean, I, it doesn't change for us because we're we're <laughs> eight, seven, and seven. So actually, it, we're, we're the worst team to try and work that out with. So so LA just doesn't have great road form, and so I'm I'm gonna say it's gonna be uh, you know they needed a late goal to beat Colorado just uh, this weekend. So I'm gonna say it's a one one nil uh, win for Minnesota. Thanks, Cam. Not a three nil win. Uh, beggars can't be choosers. Sorry. Have Come you, on, Sam. Have you we seen can't this score that many goals. We, we can't score three goals in the game, Sam. You know this. Maybe next time you play. So, so what, what about this? Like, so this season, we're one and two against Seattle. Like, and I, I'm talking MLS hierarchy. And I, I get Seattle's been around longer. Seattle has two titles. They probably have some supporter shields, right? You probably have some U.S. Open Cups. So one supporter shield. How many Open Cups? Three Open Cups. You got three open cups, man. So you won the first three. Share, share, share it for the rest of us, man. Jesus. So, like, I I get right. Like, I get that we don't have the history that the Sounders do, though. I'm what was it? Two thousand eight. You came into the MLS. Two thousand nine. Yeah. Two thousand nine. Okay, so it, it's not like you were one of the ninety sixers or or whatnot. But just in terms of MLS hierarchy, just how much higher is Seattle? situated compared to minnesota united because it, it like from our point of view now right like seattle was the reason we we didn't make it to the mls cup final even though we were up to zero and now like this this season seattle kind of continues to be a boogeyman i think even like two seasons ago um seattle kind of knocked us down to the fourth seed instead of the second seed on decision day so Seattle's been our boogeyman even before the Western Conference final. Just how much higher do we think Seattle is on the MLS table of hierarchy? I don't know what you want to call this thing. I'm not just talking this season, but just overall. Like what do we got to do to get past Seattle? Like how far away are we? <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't think Minnesota's that far off. I think Seattle is obviously that elite tier with um well, Toronto's falling apart, so they're not on it anymore. But, you know, with Atlanta, uh, regular season LAFC, not postseason <laughs> LAFC because they're not good. Don't uh, mention us with Atlanta. We hate Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, SKC, New England, traditionally D.C. I mean, I think the standings this year are, are quite, you know, you see Nashville and Orlando up there in the East. Then again, I think all of our teams would be at the top of the East if we got to play the East on repeat all season long. Can you imagine? We'd all have 100 points in a season. But, uh, you know, I think Minnesota has firmly put themselves in that that second tier of teams um, that is, uh, you know, Minnesota, Portland, RSL. That was a nice dig. I, I liked that. I, I saw what you did there. I mean, Portland has their one championship, but uh, the rest of their trophies are all just those pieces of wood they cut off every time they score a goal. <laughs> so 
they had the MLS's they, oh, back. Oh, I, I, no, wait, that's not fair. They have the MLS's back trophy. And I, I actually was surprised that they didn't get a little COVID symbol above their crest this year for that. <laughs> but yes, uh, no, that I would mean, be great. The problem oh, is Portland, that would be so brutal. Portland's inconsistent, right? They, they, they are our boogeyman in the playoffs. They will beat Seattle in the playoffs. Feel like every single time if we have to play them, they just—it's one of those teams that matches up well against us. But they have—they, I mean—and they won a championship. But I don't think they've consistently held that level. You have the LA Galaxy who have, you know, Salt Lake has been on the cusp of doing it. Um, you know, Houston used to be there, but that was a decade ago. So they've fallen way off if you count their San Jose days. So I think Minnesota is is just that next tier of the upstart teams that are going to start contending uh, if they can adapt to the changing conditions in, in the uh, MLS with uh, roster construction and things like that. Because the talent's there. It's, it's the depth and uh, continuing to progress along with the league. The Sounders are never going to outspend LA or DC or Orlando or Miami when they come in. Like We are all about being frugal with our money and only spending it on players that are not, you know, you know, they're no, nothing's a sure thing, but we're never going to go sign a 35 year old, like former superstar. We're going to go sign a 28 year old second tier player. Who's going to be just below that, but give you, but give you more years of production. Yeah. And I don't think anyone ever expects Minnesota to be the big spenders either, but obviously we, we have liked some of the moves that the front office has made bringing in Emmanuel Reynoso, Adrian, who knew? Let's just hope we can put it together. I, I think we're assuming that another big name is coming in or big name for MLS anyway. Not like a Chicharito or anything, but I guess we... Messi? Yeah. Messi? No? Messi? <laughs> that, that's the thing, though. And, and with, in Seattle, it's like we'll never, we're never going to be attached to those big names after Dempsey. And, and Obafemi Martins were both big names but because we're signing those players out of you know south america or other leagues like that who we just don't get coverage of in the united states and that that i think is where you can bring in a really awesome player that maybe doesn't seem like they're a superstar but actually are yeah like not a player that you're marketing i mean you may market in your own market sorry to be a little (laughs) sorry to use the word market too many times but yeah like chicharito you market nationally Emmanuel Reynoso, you market within Minnesota. Can we talk yeah, about? Yeah, I mean, oh, you have who knew, and we have new who in Seattle. So it's who knew versus new who. We could market that as a as an odd odd couple comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Can, have like a damn new who's Deuce good team. man. He's super good. Yeah, new who is uh, so much raw talent, and just in the last year has developed into a great defender. Yeah, he he. Like in every game we played against you guys this season that he's played in, he didn't play in the the game we won, uh, but the other two games just unreal. We couldn't do anything on his side. And then uh, I don't know if you got to see it at your game or from your perspective, Cam. But he, oh man, he stepped over fin- like Finlay, you know, like they were battling for a ball and Finlay fell and just steps over him. Just oh man, that was that was brutal. But he owned him. Yeah, he's he's another one of those. He he came over from Cameroon and was in the uh, the the minor league system for the Sounders. They had they had seen him over there and brought him over and have kind of developed him into a player and um, developed into 
one of the better uh, center backs in the league right now, which is surprising because he was always uh, on the wing or uh, not a wing back, but you know, he was, he was on the outside and uh, with the new formation with, with them going to five, at the back or three at the back, depending on how you want to look at it, because they have the wing backs pushing forward. He moved to center back and it's been a huge development for him. Well, cool guys. As it always is when Cameron lends his talents to pot on loons, it was a nice long episode coming up. We have Wednesday at sporting Kansas city and Saturday against LA galaxy pot on loons. will be back probably releasing probably recording Monday night following the Saturday game against LA galaxy. Probably going to get out to you by Tuesday morning, that episode. So make sure to look for that in your podcast feed. In the meantime, anything else, any of you want to add Cameron, anything you want to plug? You're always, you're always working on stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, my podcast is kind of, uh, has not been very active my personal one but it it will be back to again soon i've been talking to my co-host he's been off writing a book on um a philosopher who wrote the denial of death so he's off doing like important stuff while i'm just like i want to make a podcast <laughs> but uh punk rock pariah with grindle and greg so uh at punk podcasts on twitter but you can find punk rock pariah wherever you listen to podcasts uh also we're doing new episodes of unincarcerated the podcast which is the podcast for my uh, film company I have with my buddies who've been previously incarcerated where we're telling the stories of other people who've been previously incarcerated and and kind of uh, showing how, uh, you know, changing the stigma around it because they're out there in the world doing good things. And keep your eye out in the next two weeks, we're launching a podcast called Justice Delayed with Billy and Jody Sinclair. Uh, Jody is uh, was a longtime news reporter. Billy was uh, actually on death row in prison. Uh, eventually got off death row and then met Jody while he's in prison. They fell in love and then a 25 year battle ensued to get them to get him out of prison. So they have a podcast coming out where they're talking about uh, topics in uh, prison and interviewing people around that uh, prison reform stuff. So first episode of that is an interview with sister Helen Prejean, who is one of the foremost experts on death penalty. And she, um, Sorry to get all serious on a soccer podcast, but uh, she actually wrote the book uh, um, Dead Man Walking that got made into that the famous movie. So uh, definitely check out Justice Delayed. And I am at Legal Minded Punk on Twitter. Thank you so much for having me as always. Yeah, we'll put your Twitter handle in the show notes. I, I do think, Cameron, I do think you are now our most featured guest. I'm pretty sure you passed up Nate. I'm pretty sure you passed up Doomsday Jeremy, Grant, um, any other recurring guest, Jeremy from 10K. I'm pretty sure you passed him up. You gotta be number one right now. Happy to come on anytime, even if it's not Sounders related. Let me know, and I'll come. I'll come talk some uh, some loons. Shoot, we'll have to give you a bio on the website soon. I mean, to be fair, I was number one, and then I got promoted. Yep. So, for you, sir. Also, I was going to say, one thing I was going to say is that um, everyone who ever plays football manager is always talking about how you scout talent from South America, and that's all where the wonder kids are, and you can pay them not peanuts compared to what uh, Europeans get paid. So it's a good strategy. Yep. We just signed Leo Chu from uh, Gremio in Brazil. So, yep. And we're uh, Boca do Nord, so we feel it too. I mean, we already lost one of them, so we're... 
Yeah. We're only two thirds of Boca do Nord that we used to be. <laughs> and Argentina is not the cheapest country out of South America to buy them out of either. So we'll get there. We'll get there. Justin, any parting words? No, I'm just happy to be back on the pod. A couple weeks off, you know, school's in session, but I'm ready to have something to look forward to, I guess. <laughs> that was why this podcast started, is we just we just needed something to look forward to, more or less. <laughs> All right, guys, until next time, peace out and pot on you loons. Pot on you loons. Pot on you loons. Pot on you loons. Peace. Peace.